We're going to continue this morning in the final week of our sermon series called The Gospel at Work. Um, This has been a series we've been talking about what the gospel of Jesus has to do practically with what we do every day in our lives and work, okay? We've covered a lot of ground, and with a week off from snow, it's been kind of an odd thing now to kind of get out of the flow, so hopefully you can kind of get up to speed with us. Um, But I want to remind you, because if you you hadn't... um, been with us, or maybe if you have and you've forgotten like I had, uh, the last time we were together, we asked six fundamental questions that you can use to assess whether or not your, God, your, your, uh, your job is honoring to God, if that makes sense, okay? And, and by the way, this is for Christians, so if you're a Christian, then you should be concerned about whether or not your work honors God, all right? And so um, today I'm super excited to continue this series, but I want to remind you, the six questions, I had a lot of feedback about these questions from a lot of people. Our family groups kind of tore this apart two weeks ago after we met here um, on Sunday morning and really got into some hard questions about what's going on. It was amazing to me to see how God's working in people's lives, you know, as they come to the family group, they come to worship, and then they go into their lives and like, wow, God's really challenging me in this area. Here are the six questions. The first, the, remember this is the pyramid thing. I didn't put it in here this morning, but the pyramid, you build the base, then you build the middle, then you build the top, right? And the way it kind of breaks down is to honor Jesus first in our lives. That's what we're called to do. Honor Jesus as king, as sovereign Lord, as in charge. That's something we all struggle with. And then the middle part is to serve others in whatever we're doing for a job. And then the final, the final piece is ourselves, right? The questions go like this. Does my job honor God? That's the first question we ought to ask about any occupation. That means a fundamental honoring. Most jobs honor God because God is honored by work. Like, remember he, I said in the garden, he created work before sin entered. It wasn't like it was his afterthought, you know? Adam and Eve were put in the garden to work and tend it. So work is a good thing from God, but does my work honor God? The second question is, does my job allow me to live a godly life? And that means when we start to have things encroaching on everything, everything else presses in for your attention, you know, whatever it is, whether it's a job or, or anything else, is it allowing space that you can be who you're called to be in Christ Jesus? That means a few things I'll share. You know, you ought to have time to have some time with God, whatever it looks like for you and for your family if you're married. Uh, you ought to have some time for God in your life. And then the second thing is to remember that um, you, uh, you, you can't, Give up the spaces that only you can serve. Sometimes jobs will ask that of us. They'll say, you know, um, you you owe us. Your your first obligation is to work, and then you ignore the jobs that only you can do. I'll give you two really concrete examples. One is as a husband to your wife or a wife to your husband. You're the only person on the planet who can do that job. And how many of us forsake that role for work, for a job that's temporary? Okay, um, and then the second really concrete is as a, a parent or a child, and we're all in that relationship in one or the other. Only you can serve in that way. And how many of us sacrifice that role for the sake of a job, for a check, or for a career? So does your job allow you to live a godly life holistically, being who you're called to be with who you're called to be with? Then the third question this is all in the honoring Jesus as king is does my job allow me to live a, or no, does my job provide for my family and bless others? And that means financially, but also, like I said, in roles, responsibilities. Can you bless your family and bless others because of your job? That's all in the honoring Jesus. Um, not to hit this again, but you know, First Timothy says, if you don't, if you can't take care of your family, you're worse than an unbeliever and you've abandoned the faith. That's some hard teaching, right, from the Bible. So that's something we ought to consider in that base. And in the middle layer, we have a couple of questions. Does my job benefit society as a whole? Is it a good thing to do? Does it help someone? Is it, you know, some uh, altruistic purpose that everyone benefits from, no matter 
what they believe or who they are. Then the, then the second question, or the fifth question, but in the second layer is, does my job use my unique gifts and talents? Or maybe does it, is it in the career field I studied for, right? That's in that second. And the final question that we ought to ask is this, is my job something I want to do? And the funny thing about that question is that's usually the first and only question we ask. Is my job something I want to do? That's what we say. Do I want this job or not? Before we even put an application, do I want it? I don't know if I want it. Because it's all about us. But that's not what the gospel says. It says it's all about Jesus. It's all about others. And then it's about ourselves. So are you willing to assess your job or maybe your next job in that way? Um, I, I hope, uh, hope that's... Um, it just rocked me when I read that, honestly. Um, by the way, all this material you'll see is, um, there's actually a book out called The Gospel at Work, and we're working sort of from that book. So if you want to check that book out, I highly recommend it. It's awesome, easy read, very practical teaching from Scripture about how um, God can really use us right where we are and uh, challenge us, all right? Um, so we had a lot of conversation about that last time, all right? So now I'm going to explain, and some of you have asked repeat, you know, this morning already, you've been like, so what? So today I'm excited because you can see the title today is called... Uh, the slave, the farmer, and the boss, all right? But there's something else going on. Somebody said, why in the world are you wearing coveralls today? Anybody wondering that yet? <laughs> Some of you come to me and say, what the heck? A lot of you have been very supportive, and I appreciate that. I appreciate you, Family Bible Church, because you're the kind of church you're like, that's awesome. They're like, nice boots. You know, you're on board. You don't even care what it's about. It's awesome. <laughs> you know, praise God, right? But I might have told you a story before, and I apologize, but I'll tell you really briefly. Whenever I was in high school, I went to high school here in Illinois, right? And I took that assessment, that career assessment placement thing or whatever. Guess what my, my career was supposed to be? Yeah, farmer. Thank you, Dean. That's right, farmer. I was in the 10th grade. I cannot think of anything more, less encouraging to get on my profile than farmer. I was so aggravated about this, right? So I went on. I did not become a farmer. I went into IT work. I worked in the technical field. I did a lot of cool stuff. Got a really cool job. Had a baby. Got married. Had a baby. You know what I'm saying? And then on into life. And then all of a sudden, I graduated with my associate's degree. I was so excited with a job placement. I'm like, I need a job. They're like, okay, just take this assessment, and we'll be right with you. And I took the assessment. And do you know what the assessment said? Farmer. <laughs> and I'm like, what? And I'm like, no way, dude. So then I go on in my life. I come. I meet Jesus as Savior, man. It rocks my world. And then I'm still in IT and I'm working. I start to feel called to be a pastor, stuff like that, right? And I'm just rocking out. I'm like, this is crazy. And I go and I get my bachelor's. You know, I'm continuing education, get done with my degree. And I'm not taking that assessment again. I am not taking it again, right? But then I was so blessed, I want to share with you this verse of Scripture this morning, because this is um, from the Word. It's from Mark 4. I'm not going to turn that right now. Mark 4, 14. I was so excited to see this in Scripture. Um, chapter 4, verse 14 says this. The farmer sows the Word. Yeah. I'm in my career field, baby. <laughs> the farmer sows the word. I'm like, that's what I'm talking about, man. Yes, Jesus, you're awesome. I didn't even know I was in the Bible. Man, that's so cool. I was so excited about that. Can you tell? I was excited about that. So I went out and got him some bib overalls. <laughs> and Chris is like, don't ever wear those things anywhere. It's a true story. All right, so, um, so there you go. So you never know how God is going to manifest this, these things in our lives. You know, are we going to be willing to be who God's calling us to be and do what God's calling us to do? Well, today I want to talk to you about, about the power, now listen to me, the power of taking Jesus to work with you. 
You see, because we can turn this into like Sunday is church day and the rest of my week is work week and then, you know, my home person and I have all these categories for myself. But guess what? God is interested in every part of your life. He's not interested in a few hours on Sunday. He's not interested in that you, go, you took the boxing with the church, you know what I mean? You, you did these things. He's interested in your whole heart for him. And he's interested in going everywhere with you. And today I want to talk to you very practically about some ways that we can, um, we can take Jesus to work with us no matter what our jobs are. Okay, so I want to encourage you in that today. Um, you remember two weeks ago I shared with you that we are co-workers. Scripture says this, because we are co-workers in God's service and you are the field, you are God's building. We are the church. We are the church. Not a, not a building, not a space. It's us that God's building up for his glory. And we serve with him. So I'm going to ask you to pray with me as we open God's word that he would reveal truth to us today through it. Uh, Father God, I thank you so much for the chance we have to gather in your name uh, to come here and to sing praises because you're so worthy to be worshipped. I've been so blessed today to worship you together with my friends here at Family Bible Church. And I pray that today as we open your word, you'll give us eyes to see and ears to hear. You'll give us a heart that's soft towards you, Father God that your Holy Spirit would intervene when we're kicking against you, that you would draw us near to yourself, that you would break down all the barriers, Father God, and you would have your way in our lives. And Father, we don't want to go reluctantly. We want to go willingly with you, but would you help us in those places where we're reluctant to go with you, that we would instead go willingly today. Uh, may you be glorified as we examine your word and see all that you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so we're going to start at the beginning of the Bible. If you want to turn there, we're going to turn to Genesis chapter 3. Um, there's only one verse there, but I want you to get eyes on it so you can see uh, some things. And I'm going to have three major points today that I want to talk to you about, right? And this is a kind of a, to me it's a little crazy, but the first idea is that God works with us, all right? That might sound inverted, you know, but um, like we work with God, you know, because he's the, you know, senior partner in the relationship. That's certainly true. But the truth is that God works with us. And I want you to see something from the Garden of Eden. Chapter 3, it's the very beginning of the Bible, verse 8. Then the man and his wife, this is Adam and Eve in the garden, heard the sound of the Lord, Yahweh, God, as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. I want to I stop there and say a few things. This is a tiny little piece of scripture. But I want you to recognize that as, as Adam and Eve were in the garden, in God's creation, they were placed there in his care. They heard the sound of Yahweh and they recognized it, who it is. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't like a mysterious stranger. Who's in the garden today? We've never heard this sound before. They're like, oh, we know who that is. That's God. And God is in the garden with them. It's, and, and I love this as in the cool of the day, in this, this beautiful paradise, this perfect moment. You know, we've been praying for spring to break through this winter weather, right? This perfect, beautiful moment. The birds are singing, the wind's blowing through the trees, and it's awesome, and they hear the, that familiar sound. <gasps> there he is. It's the Lord. They recognize him. And why is that? Because although they were called to tend the garden, to care for it and to keep it, right, um, the Lord works with them. He was with them. Now, I want you to see what happens next. And this is the truth of the gospel right here. And they hid from the Lord God, Yahweh, among the trees of the garden. This is new. This had never happened before. Every other time that the Lord showed up, they're like, hey, it's the Lord. Awesome. This is your creation. It's so beautiful. But in this instance, because of the sin in their life, when they heard the Lord, they ran from him. They fled from him, and they hid in the garden. They tried to cover themselves. The word says they, they masked their nakedness, their knownness, which before now was never a problem, right? Because the Lord worked with them 
up to then. They were comfortable living and working before the Lord. Now, I wonder, in your life and my life, are we comfortable? You know, that's one of the things when I first became a believer, I wondered, like, because, you know, like I'm, I told you, I was working in IT and stuff, and I thought, if the Lord saw me here, would I be comfortable, right? If the Lord saw what I was doing right now, if it was late at night and I was up, if the Lord saw me right now, would I, would I be comfortable? Because he, he does. He's with us, right? Um, or would I be hiding in shame? Would I be, would I be trying to cover myself? Tell, tell him, no, no, no. It's not that bad, no. They were comfortable living and working with the Lord before sin entered the world. Here's the truth. Sin breaks that connection and that comfort with God. But the good news is that Jesus restores the connection. And that's why as believers in Christ, we can say, okay, now, the God works with us. Because in Christ, we have a restoration of relationship with God. He bridges the gap. He covers the sin, including of Adam and Eve, to redeem all of Israel and us as believers in him, um, that we are... We are made like him in his image. So here we go. So we're going to turn to Galatians now. I want to show you. I'm in Galatians chapter 3. If you brought a Bible, you probably can find it. If you didn't, it's grab one of ours on the end of the chair row, and you can turn there. It's in the New Testament. I didn't get page numbers for you today. I apologize for that. Um, Galatians 3, 26 through 29. Because I want to talk to you for a minute then about some things that are true for us as, as followers of Jesus. So I said that sin broke that thing, and I said that Jesus fixed that thing. But, but Paul talks then about how that matters in our life very practically in, in Galatians 3. So here we go, Galatians 3, chapter 26 to 29. This is what Paul says to the church in Galatia. It's a letter like we read today from Elaine and Becca. Um, you are all... Listen, sons or children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ, and there is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed, and you are heirs according to the promise. So we go from this model where in the garden there's sin, there's brokenness, and there's hiding from God to this full restoration in Jesus' name. And that means that in our real-life jobs, our day-to-day, if we call Christ Savior, we ought to be comfortable having God work with us in every way. All right? A few things I want to talk to you about out of Ephesians here. Notice the first thing that Paul says here is that you are all God's children. You are all children of God. And that means, it's, and we talked about this before in the Bible, that there's like one people of God. It's not like there's some holier people and less holy people. There's only people who are sanctified by Christ and who are forgiven of their sin, and there's everyone who's not sanctified by Christ and not forgiven for their sin. There's like two categories. There's not like some stratification in Christianity of holiness. Do you understand what I'm saying? You're redeemed in Christ or you're not. I'll show you where it says that. Look what it says. Because all of you who are baptized into Christ, and by the way, we're talking about water baptism next week, but this means to be submersed in Christ, in the anointing of God. It doesn't just mean water baptism. It means that those of you who have been immersed in Christ, and that happens uh, with or without water baptism. But here he says, those of you who have been baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. I want to sit on this for a minute, right? So that means that all of a sudden, it doesn't matter, there's no stratification of holiness because you are no longer counting on yourself to be holy, but you're putting on the clothes of Christ, what he has for you, right? And that's the way we live our lives then. So it's no longer us that God sees, but his son and our savior Jesus who died to pay for the sins that we have committed and that our ancestors have committed. All the sin is covered 
in Jesus' name. Paul says, you uh, are all children of God through faith because you clothed yourselves in Christ or in his anointing. And now he goes on down to talk about, I told you there's no stratification, right? Here's some things that we see. There is neither Jew nor Greek. The way we say it now is it doesn't matter who your family is. Doesn't matter from where you come from. Doesn't matter how you was raised. Don't matter what the people in town thought of you when you were little. You know what I'm saying? Doesn't matter what people thought you were going to be when you were in grade school. Doesn't matter. Because in Christ, you are one, and you are the children of God. And we have to get that through our heads as a church. He completely transforms our family heritage. It is because we know Christ and nothing else that we are saved. There's neither Jew nor Greek. Look, it doesn't matter what our roles are in life. There's neither slave nor free. So what, we, what we're doing, the obligations we're under, if, if we're in a ton of debt or if we're debt-free, right? I mean, life's easier when you're debt-free, but it's not about salvation. You're saved in Christ, irrespective of your status as a slave or a free man. No matter what you do. Look, the third one, our gender doesn't matter. Whether we're male or female makes no difference in Christ. We are God's children called according to his purpose to serve. That is awesome. You are, and then look, at we're united. And I loved it. I don't know if you caught that today, but I, I didn't. I'm not, I was talking to God about it too with you guys. We were praying earlier. But man, God, would you draw us together as we follow you, right? Unite us in Jesus' name. We are unit, you were united in Christ's name ourselves, all right? So, we're, so it doesn't matter where we come from or whatever, and God's calling us all then to be heirs. And look at what it says. Because if you belong to Christ... You are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. And that's Abraham who is Abram who is called out of Ur, right? We are inheritors of his promise from God that we will inherit the kingdom because of Jesus' name. So this means, some, so this means that we can work with Jesus. Does that make sense? That means all of a sudden you don't have to have a certain career or a certain job or a certain role to be able to invite God into what is happening in your life. Right. Second thing I want to share with you, and this is awesome, is that we as believers, and non-believers too, so I'm not picking on non-believers, but we can enjoy our work. I mean, I think like the number one hobby besides working is complaining about our jobs, you know? I'm guilty of it, man. I mean, do anybody complain about your job? Just, uh, anybody? I'm the only one. You're in church, be honest. There you go. A few of you are being honest this morning. Yeah, you just go, oh, it's Monday. I got to go to work again. You know what I mean? And I got to drive and there's snow or whatever. You know what I mean? You're all aggravated. You, you complain. You go to a coffee pot. You complain to your coworkers about how terrible your pay is or how your benefits are terrible or your ankles hurting. I don't know what it is. You know what I mean? We just complain about it. Oh, if, I, if I wouldn't have to work, I could be at home today on the couch. Right? Like, that would be good for you, you know? Um, I'm just saying, like, we all do that, right? We complain. But no, the scripture says that we can enjoy our work. I want to share with you, um, this is awesome. This is from the wisest man to ever live, according to scripture, um, Solomon. He wrote a book called Ecclesiastes. Turn back there, if you would, Ecclesiastes, uh, toward the front of your Bible. We're going to look at Ecclesiastes. I think it's on your sheets. Is it not on your sheets? Awesome. 5, 18 through 20. I thought, man, you guys are really picking this up quick. This is awesome. Ecclesiastes, by the way, is one of these books that I find really depressing. I'm just going to be honest with you guys when I read it. I'm like, this book is so depressing to me. Um, God's got to change my heart about Ecclesiastes. But I love it. This is a, a moment here. Uh, this is what, what Solomon writes. Um, then I realized that it is good and proper for a man to eat and drink and to find what? 
satisfaction in his toilsome labor under the sun during the few days of life that God has given him, for this is his lot. Now, I got to say, there's like an overall vibe of like drudgery in his, you know, but he does say it's okay for a man or a woman to eat and drink and enjoy life. There's nothing wrong with that. As a matter of fact, he even says, blessed are those who can enjoy all that God has given them to eat and drink and be satisfied in. And there's no one more cursed than those who have things to eat and drink and enjoy and don't enjoy them. That's what Solomon says in a minute. He says, um, it's terrible. You're the most cursed if you have things that God's given you and you don't enjoy them. We ought to enjoy our work, right? Moreover, when God gives man any, uh, any man wealth and possessions and enables him to enjoy them, to accept his lot and be happy in his work, this is a gift from God. So we can enjoy work, and it's a gift from God. Um, he seldom reflects on his days of his life because God keeps him occupied with the gladness of heart. You know, that, and I think that's a weird thing to have to say, but I think sometimes we feel like as Christians, you know, like I, I've, I've talked to brothers and sisters who are believing in Christ, and all they hope for is the rapture so they can get out of here. <laughs> you know, this is terrible. Why would God leave us here? <laughs> you know, take me home. You know what I mean? Like, uh, beam me up, Scotty. You know, I'm just saying, Nimoy, I had to do that. So, um, so we can't wait to get out of here. But what if, what if this, is a, that this is a gift to us? The work is a gift to us. We can enjoy our work, all right? Um, we're going to turn it into 1 Timothy as well. 1 Timothy. Real. See what this ha- uh, scripture has for us. New Testament. See, I like to go back and forth so we can kind of tell us the whole counsel of God's word. Um, you can read around this. I'm not trying to pick these out and make them say something they're not saying. If you think I've done that, I'd love to talk to you about it. Um, but we are called to enjoy uh, the things that God has for us. Yeah, I want to say one more thing about Ecclesiastes. Stay in Timothy, though. I, it says um, that if we store up everything that God has given us for ourselves, it'll have no eternal significance, right? So there's some teaching there as well, okay? And that's what Timothy's going to get into here in 17. Listen to what Paul writes to Timothy. Another letter to the church, right? He writes to a brother, Timothy. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, huh? nor put their hope in wealth. See, there's the danger of wealth that you would hope in your wealth alone and not in Christ as your Savior. Because wealth is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, because God richly provides us with everything for our, what's the word? Enjoyment. The things that God has given us are for us to enjoy, and we are allowed to enjoy them. So this isn't like Solomon was saying in the Old Testament, enjoy it, but that was really not what it was. It's all about drudgery now. No, Paul says, tell them to enjoy everything that God has given them, but don't put their hope in their wealth, right? Enjoy everything that God has given, it says in verse 14. So by including God in our work, we can enjoy everything that God has given us. If you invite Jesus to go to work with you, you can start to celebrate the opportunities that God has given you in work, even if you don't like your job right? He will give you a field to work. He will give you people to interact with. He will give you service to do, and you can do it excellently just by believing that you're working as unto the Lord. You can just serve faithfully. We all have that opportunity to do that. No matter how, how, what our role is, what our jobs are, we can all glorify God through our faithful service and enjoy all that God has given us. Look, verse 17, I already said it. He says, put your hope in God alone, though. Don't get distracted. The biggest danger, Jesus said what? It's, it's um, easier for an, a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than a rich man to enter the kingdom of God, right? He ain't mad at rich people. Jesus doesn't, isn't worried about rich people. I mean, he's worried about saving them, but he ain't worried about them being rich. 
He's just saying they're going to be distracted by the wealth. Have you ever thought? Have you ever thought that your lack is God's grace to you? So you need him more. So you don't forget your Savior. Old Testament says Israel was coming to the promised land, and one of the last things they're told is, teach this song to your children so that when you forget me, they will remind you that I saved you. Right? A tendency to forget all that God is doing. We put our hope in God alone, all of us who believe in Jesus Christ. Look at verse 18 then. Be generous and willing to share, right? Verse 18. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. There's a tendency we have towards selfishness or stinginess when God gives us blessings to enjoy. Don't do that. Enjoy them and be generous toward others. Fight that part of our hearts that wants to be selfish. We all have it, right? And then in 19, in this way, if the rich people do this, right? And by the way, all of us are rich. I'm just telling you right now. They will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. Wait, <laughs> you know what that kind of says? Anybody look around the world and go, man, they've made it. I mean, I do that all the time. I look at how someone else is living. I look at the kind of house they have, the kind of car they drive, the kind of job they have, the respect they get, the awards, the, the, the letters behind their name. And I'm like, those guys have made it. They're doing so much better than me. You know, they're doing so awesome. Good job. Man, you're rocking it. You know what that says? That if they haven't put their hope in God, they, have not, they, don't, not have, they don't have true life. They have the illusion of life, but not real life. Jesus said, what good is it if a man gains the world but forfeits his soul? What's it for? What's it for? We are so easily distracted. We're so easily distracted by things like wealth or job or possessions or things like that. Don't, let's don't do that. But lay up treasure for ourselves through what? Through reliance on God alone and generosity, believing, being part of what God is doing in this world. Have eternal significance um, for us and for all those. So I want to give you three uh, real practical ways before we get to our third point here. I want to say, because I do believe, I mean, if I can just take a minute. Um, I have, so I told you I was a non-believer and I was a believer in business, right, before I became a pastor. I have not had, as a pastor, as many opportunities to share the gospel as I had when I was in technology support. Do you believe that's true? Now, you guys might think, well, that's crazy talk because you're a pastor, you preach every Sunday. I get that, right? And I do. I have opportunities to preach, praise God for that. I'm not upset about it. But I'm saying, as far as real life, in the trenches, down and dirty, mono we mono conversations and love and mercy and grace and prayer and hope and dreams and brokenness, it happened at work because we're all in it together. It, it, you know, the, the, the thing for me is, it's easier for me, probably because when people come to me, they go, well, he's a pastor. So when they come to me, they're going to want to talk about spiritual things or I'm going to force the issue. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, you know, I'm a pastor, right? <laughs> so we're going to talk about Jesus. <laughs> Get ready. <laughs> Whereas with you, they might not. You might talk about something else. They don't know what you're going to talk about. But that means that you're missionaries in the field. Don't miss it. How can you equip yourselves to be missionaries in the field? I want to encourage you to do a few things, and they're so, so powerful in your life. And just invite, just invite Jesus to go with you in these things. But the first is to have a Bible with you. And I know I'm the pastor, and you say, you carry a Bible everywhere. I do, but I did it before I was a pastor. Start, start bringing your Bible along. And you know, how many of you have a smartphone? Anyone in here have a smartphone? Two of you. <laughs> the rest of you are sleeping this morning. Right? 
Now I would bring your real Bible. I really would bring your Bible. I, not to show it off, but to bring it. If you have a tangible paper, because the batteries don't die, you know what I mean? Internet then doesn't drop, you know? Um, but, but bring it along with you. I want to share with you a, a verse from uh, Ephesians. Love this. Ephesians 6. You don't turn it if you don't want to, but I would encourage you. This is um, 16 and 17. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith, which can extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one. There you go. First of all, you know, there's an enemy who's firing at us, flaming arrows. You take a shield of faith. You believe the gospel for yourselves. Take that with you when you go to work. 17, take the helmet of your salvation, right? You're wearing this thing on your head. You're protected in Christ. No one is going to knock you dead because Christ has preserved you for eternity and life. You are guaranteed inheritance in Christ's name. You take your salvation, put it on your head, be protected, right? And then look at what it says. And take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Take it with you. Take it with you. How many of you would enter into a battlefield without proper equipment, man? How many of us do it, you know? I mean, find a way. I, I would, and this is a twofold thing, because if you bring your Bible with you, two things will happen. First of all, you'll have an awareness that you have your Bible with you, firstly. Secondly, you might have a chance to, to spend some of your time honoring God. You know, I told you before, one of the ways I was able to honor God is by reading the Bible on the bus. And that wasn't because I was trying to impress people. I didn't care if people saw me or not. I did not care. I wasn't embarrassed, but I didn't care. But it was time that was being wasted anyway. So I read the Bible on the bus. I read the Bible over lunch, you know. Not all the time, but some of the time. Bring it along with you. Um, phone, like I said, bring your phone with you. That works too. All right, here's the second one, man. And this is all of us can do. Even if you don't choose to bring your Bible along, pray. Pray. Do you know that the things that you see at your job, no one sees but you? Do you get that? That day, that moment, that person, that opportunity, you're the only one that sees it. How many, how many of you, when you see something, you're like, I'm going to have to go tell somebody about this because I just saw this. I need someone who can, religious people, can you come here a minute? Religious people, can you come and help me because I see this? Why did God show it to you? Pray. And I don't mean you have to say, I'm going to, now I'm, get, prepare yourself, coworker. I will pray. You know what I mean? Pray. I told you one of the best things that happened to me when I was in IT as a believer in Christ, and my coworker said, don't you effing pray for me. What? She gave me the idea. <laughs> I wasn't even thinking about praying for you. I'm like, that's brilliant. You know what? They can't stop you. They can't stop you from praying. Are you with me, church? Pray. There's somebody at work that you can't stand? Pray right? Someone that gets on your nerves, pray. You know what's amazing? You can't hardly hate somebody you're praying for. You hear that? Some of us have that. You can't do it. Pray. God, would you bless them? You know, and, and if you want some crazy prayers, read the Psalms. David prays, smite my enemies, Lord. <laughs> you know what I mean? Strike them down. They're evil, you know? Or convert them. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, or convert me. Pray. What opportunities do you have that only you have it's the power of taking Jesus to work with you. It says it right there, 19. And pray in the Spirit. When? On all occasions. How? With all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for the saints. Pray, 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 pray. Opportunities abound. Okay, so the first is bring your Bible. The second is to pray. And then the third is to work hard and be ready with an answer. I'm going to turn to... First Peter, First Peter three fifteen and 16. Some of you guys probably know this verse, right? But I love this. 
And this kind of ties in again with what we talked about in Colossians with, you know, it's the Lord you're serving. I mean, be diligent. I said, work hard at your job. And, and I mean, you know, I mean, be diligent, be faithful. You know what God's equipped you to do. Do it faithfully. Don't, don't kind of hold back because your employer's not treating you fair or whatever. Look at what it says in, in 15. But in your hearts, right, the place that drives us, set apart Christ as Lord. And then always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason, what, for the hope that you have. Keep reading, though. We know that part. Look at that. Do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. Keep doing good. You, if you're going to tell someone, do it with gentleness and respect, you know. Um, opportunities abound for us. And you'll be surprised, as I was surprised, the opportunities that God gives you to share your faith with others, Right? And I know that many of you are like, that's already scary. Like, I'm scared now. I'm talking about sharing my faith, right? I've heard this before. I've been in church for a while. But it's such a natural outpouring of things like praying and being ready and knowing your salvation in Christ is secure. Um, and and uh, just a, a follow-up note. So that lady who said, don't you effing pray for me? I mean, she, literally, she didn't say effing, by the way. It was a not, not safe for work comment, you know? Uh, when I left to become a pastor, she wept. And she said, I'm going to miss you so much. You have no idea how much you've meant to me. What? What opportunities do we have every day just to be faithful witnesses? Some simple things that we can do. Here's the last point today. And this is the truth, is that we all work for Jesus. We all work for Jesus, Right? Not just the pastor works for Jesus, not just the worship leader or the missionary works for Jesus. All of us work for Jesus in our lives. We're following him. I want you to turn with me again to the God. You can turn now if you want to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 4. We're just going to read a few um, verses to kind of give you some context here about this, and we'll finish with this, okay? It says this. He taught them, I'm going to start in verse 2. He taught them many things by parables, and in this teaching he said, Listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed, and as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up, and some fell along the rocky places where it did not have much soil, and it sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But then the sun came, and the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Another seed fell among, or other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked out the plants, so that they did not bear any grain or fruit. Verse 8, still other seed fell on good soil. It came up and grew and produced a crop, multiplying 30, 60, or even 100 times. Listen to Jesus. Those who have ears to hear, let them hear. Later on, the disciples asked him, what does that mean? He says in verse 13, don't you understand this parable? How will you understand any parable then? The farmer sows the word. I want to correct that for a minute. The scripture actually says the sower sows the word. The sower, the one who's willing to scatter the seed, that's what they're doing. Just scattering the seed. Doesn't know what's going to happen, where it's going to grow. They're just scattering the seed. Some people are like the seed along the path where the word is sown. As they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that has been sown into them. Look at that. Others, like a seed sown on rocky plains or places, hear the word and they receive it with great joy. But then when they have no root, it only lasts a, long, a short time. And when trouble or persecution comes in their life because of the word, they quickly fall away from it. Still others, like seeds sown among thorns, hear the word. 
But the worries of this life, the deceitfulness look at, of wealth, and the desires of other things come in and choke out the word, making it unfruitful in their life. Whew, that's tough. 20, but others, like seeds sown on good soil, hear the word and accept it and produce a crop 30, 60, or 100 times what was sown. The sower sows the word. Um, one of the great teachings I've learned here at Family Bible Church, and I've learned so many from you guys, is... Um, Corey Adolph and I were talking, and he says, you just sow the word. That's what our job is. We just keep sowing the word. We are all sowers. What's going to come of it? We don't know. You don't know when the kind word, you don't know whenever the prayer, you don't know whenever the having the Bible on the bus or having the Bible, you don't know. But you're sowing the word. You know the word, and you're sowing the word. You're putting it out there. So that some of it, some of it might produce good crops. We all have that opportunity to do this in our lives. We're going to close with Ephesians. Um, for this series, it's been our core verse. I'm going to read the whole thing. Chapter 6, verse 5. Slaves, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. Obey them not only when you win their favor or when their eye is on you, but as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from your heart, Serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not men. Because you know that the Lord will reward everyone for whatever good he does, whether he is slave or free. Here it is, verse 9. And masters, treat your slaves in the same way. Do not threaten them, since you know that he who is both their master and yours lives in heaven. And there's no favoritism with him. Because the truth is that we're all farmers and there's no differentiation in the kingdom of God. This morning I came to church and I walked in here and if you don't know me, you'll know one thing right now this morning and your friends here will probably tell you, you'll never see me in a suit. <laughs> if you do, it's either a good day or a bad day, right? I usually wear a suit if somebody's getting married. I wear a suit when somebody's died. Just out of respect. But I walked in this morning like this and people said, wow, you look spiffy. <laughs> and then I walked in in overalls and people go, what is that? But you know what? God don't care. He ain't impressed. He wants us all to be saved in Christ's name. No matter what we look like, no matter where we come from, no matter how we dress, how we talk, his blood has poured out so we could all be set free. Free indeed. And you and I, if we believe the gospel, can be part of his work no matter what we wear or where we go or who we serve in this life. Amen. I want to invite you, if you don't know Christ as Savior today, you can receive him. And it's not Bill Dempsey, and it's not Family Bible Church. It's this eternal gospel that in the brokenness of sin, Christ makes a way. You can receive him today in faith. And that's all it is. And if you've not been bringing Jesus with you to work, I would encourage you to pray about that and invite him in. Man, I can tell you there's been no more exciting time for me in my life than I want to let God go to work with me. No more exciting time as a believer in Christ. If you're bored, you're aggravated, you're frustrated, invite him in and then follow him. I'm going to invite all of you to pray with me 
as you feel led by the Lord. Uh, let's pray. Father God, today we thank you so much for your word. We thank you so much for the saints who come before us who've encountered you in such a powerful way that they could never be the same. And today, Father God, we come to you as those who are seeking your face and to know your great love for us. We hear the words from Scripture, Lord. We hear them, that you love us, that you died to save us, that you desire that none would perish, but that all would repent and receive eternal life in your name. And yet we know that not all of us do. We hold back parts of our lives. We hold back our heart from you. We resist the call of your Holy Spirit. Today, may that be overcome by your grace. May we be saved in your name. For my friends, family here today that don't know you as Savior, I pray that you would work in their heart in a powerful way to know you. Father God, for those of us who claimed you as Lord, I pray that we would act like it. I mean, I, I include myself, Father. I pray that we would act like we believe that you were in charge of our lives and not just on Sunday, but all the time that we would serve you and that we would enjoy it and have a great time and be blown away because of all the good stuff you have for us in this life. And Father God, for our friends and our family and for the people we're praying for, the talk this morning about the missionaries and everyone in this world, we pray, Father, that we would joyfully join in that work and we would celebrate your kingdom coming, even as we still wait for your, your arrival. Um, Father, uh, just bless us. Draw us near to yourself. Be glorified as we respond to the true gospel today. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.